From around the world, this is the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. Good morning and welcome to the Sonic Society, the world's largest showcase of modern audio drama. I'm David Alt, and Jack Ward is busily holed up with report cards this weekend. Never you mind though, we have some wonderful features this week, beginning with Rachel Pulliam's Reminisce With Me, a horror produced for 11th hour productions to be followed by 66 trips to Lansing from Will Anderson. And without further ado, they both begin right here on the Sonic Society. Put your withered hand in mine. Let all your fears decline. Rest assured, there will be bliss when we both can reminisce. Come, reminisce with me. for effort. <laughs> You'll get the hang of it. I hope so. Between us, this is it. If I lose this job, I'm done trying to find another one working with senior citizens. Okay, well, if it doesn't work out, you can check yourself in here and I'll come visit you. <laughs> <laughs> You'd make one proper comedian. <laughs> proper? I think some of your former residents must have rubbed off on you. show Grandma my painting. You can show her next time. She's taking a nap and we have to get ready for Susan's recital. She's always taking a nap. I want her to talk to me and know my name. The last time she wanted to buy cookies from me, it kept calling me Amelia. That's all I ever hear. Amelia cookies or paintings. I know, honey. I'm sorry. She's not usually like this. Hey, no need to apologize. See that she's comfortable? Come on, honey. I'll get you some ice cream before we go home. I'm afraid to ask. Oh, it's Carol Sherwood's family. Some family? Let me guess. They make an appearance maybe once a month? Twice if it's during the holidays? Sounds about right. Not everyone is lucky to have family who cares or friends willing to take time out of their busy schedules to meet up with a friend who can't even really remember their name. This is Mrs. Langley's room. 
She doesn't usually come out for activities, but we're supposed to go in there and try to engage her with what we can. Magazines, books, old pictures, music, that kind of thing. Bring the activities to them. Got it. Come in. You'll find Mrs. Langley to be the exception to the rule. <laughs> Rose, who volunteers with hospice, has been visiting her faithfully for months. Oh, where was I? Oh, yeah. Top of page 25. The man with a crooked golden tooth had lowered his pistol and fixed his eyes upon her. Well, Miss Ainsley, what have you got to say for yourself? Abigail's hands shook, and yet her courage to speak did not waver. And how's our favorite author today? She's been in and out since I got here. I guess I should start coming at a later time in the day. Are you okay? I hate seeing her like this. Spending her days lying there where she's either out of it or asleep? What a waste. She was such a talented lady and had a real flair with words. I understand. And it's okay to feel that way. But you have to remember, she's still the Mrs. Langley you love and know. She may not be able to remember things as well as she could, but she remembers you care. You may have better luck visiting her in the evening. She tends to wake up a little better after rest and a meal. Some nights are the exception, but on average, from what I've observed... Thank you. You're always so kind to her, and I really appreciate it. I'm sure she does, too. You look like you're shadowing Melinda. That's right. Oh, this is Eli. It's his first day with our little family. It's nice to meet you, Eli. What were you reading to her when we came in? Was it one of her books? Oh, that's all I ever read to her. Take a look if you like. The Legend of Abigail Ainsley. Well, it looks like an interesting story. Hey, didn't they turn that into a movie a few years ago? Oh, that movie. <laughs> Don't let Gabrielle catch you talking about it. She called it absolute rubbish and said the only film she'd sanctioned based on her novel was the 1959 film starring Lucy Hinshaw as Abigail. Oh yeah, she mentioned an Abigail to me the other day. She said she was a nice character to write. Listen to this. For the one under my spell, my constant source of inspiration, may your memory and soul remain youthful. May your talents belong to the ages. Hmm. That's the strangest dedication I've ever read. What does that mean? Do you know who she's talking about, Rose? No. I was actually going to ask you that question, since you've had more interactions with her family. Maybe they could tell you more about it. <laughs> Don't count on that. Abigail? I'm used to it by now. I just let her call me whatever comes to mind. It happens a lot this way. She sleeps through our visits and then wakes up right before I have to leave. Good morning, sleeping beauty. Did you have a nice nap? Oh, I was asleep. What were we talking about? You were telling me about one of your books, but I'm afraid I have to go run some errands now. I'll be back to see you again very soon. No, Abigail, I, I don't want you to go. I'm afraid. You're going to be okay. And Melinda, she's going to help take care of you while I'm gone. She's a nice lady. No, I don't want her. You're my only friend. Abigail, my, my, my best friend. Come with me. 
Hey, does she often get this distressed when I go? Sometimes. But she'll be alright. I'll stay with her till she calms down. Thank you. Abigail! She had to leave for a little while, Mrs. Langley. But I'd like to stay and talk with you. Would you like that? No. Get out! You don't belong here! You're always keeping Abigail away from me! I've never seen her this agitated before. Would you let me try talking to her? Go ahead. Mrs. Langley? I'm Eli. It's nice to meet you. Ask her if she wants anything. Is there anything you want? Some water or a snack? I was beautiful when we danced that night. The music was meant for me alone. Especially for me. Because I was told... I was told I was beautiful. Mrs. Langley? Who do you mean? Who were you dancing with? It was so long ago. Stop asking me questions, you stupid girl. Where is Abigail? What are you doing in here? Okay, I better go. I'll come back with the nurse. Gabby, dear. The one who has your heart was never dishonest with you. You're beautiful. Oh, there you are, Melinda. I haven't seen you in a few days. Yeah, I took a few vacation days, but I'm happy to be back. How's Mrs. Langley today? Not in her room. I don't know if they're running some tests on her or what, but I did have trouble sleeping the other night. I've never seen her have that reaction before I leave her. I understand. It's not easy to see someone you care about face this disease. I struggle with watching it happen to them, too, and these residents aren't even my family. But I'm always treating them like they are. We're doing everything we can to make things as easy and comfortable as possible for everyone. Well, you're doing a great job. Every time you're in the building, I know Gabrielle is getting the best care. Thank you. I appreciate you saying that. Before I forget, can you check the temperature in her room? It was a bit chilly while I was in there waiting for her. And the other day, before Eli and you walked in, I felt the same kind of coldness. The other day? Yes, when you introduced me to your new coworker. What was his name? Eli. That's right. I'll be back as soon as I can, Melinda. Give my love to Gabriel. I will. Easy does it there. Easy does it there, Gabby. Take your time. There's no need to rush this. You actually got her out of bed. Looks like it. The ladies love me. Right, Gabby? I should think so. 
Watch yourself, Missy. This one's mine. <laughs> I can see that, Mrs. Langley. <laughs> hey, listen. About the other day in her room... Yeah? What about it? Did it get too weird for you? No, no. I was just surprised. You were able to build rapport with her so fast. Well, I have you to thank for showing me the ropes, and I'm a fast learner. Here we are, Miss Gabby. Home sweet home. Is it? How nice. Did you want to lie down, or are you happy sitting in your chair? Doesn't make any difference to me. Seriously, what did you do to her? I've never been able to communicate with her for more than a minute at a time. Beginner's luck? Maybe she responds better to the sound of a male voice. I mean, maybe. Oh, hey. Who left this present in here? And where did they find old-fashioned pink paper? Hmm. Look at this, Eli. Like something straight out of the 40s. Is it her birthday today? No, unless someone forgot to tell me. I bet it's for another resident. And one of the CNAs put it here by mistake. No? Card says for Gabrielle. Gabby, it looks like your birthday came early this year. Is it my birthday today? Uh, we're not sure. But someone thought so. This is for you. I, I haven't had a present since. Oh, dear. It was a long time ago. Go ahead, open it. What is this? Who put this in my lap? Let me help you with that, Mrs. Langley. See? What a pretty box. Is it a... It is! That's a catchy tune. Eli, did you do this? Huh? Do what? You don't recognize that tune? Should I? Uh, yeah. The other day, when you were calming her down, isn't that the same tune you were whistling to her? I don't think so. Sorry, but it must have been a different tune. Hmm. That's funny. What? Apparently the title of the music is called Reminisce With Me. How apropos, don't you think? It's Eli. Oh, good. We've been waiting for you. Why, Gabby, aren't you looking particularly lovely in that dress? I was worried the periwinkle in her skirt wouldn't bring out the color of her eyes. But as you can see... Very, very nice. Well, my dear, I hope you saved the first dance for me. What's that, young man? Dance. You don't remember. But we'll make it right again. That's okay, Gabby. It'll all make sense to you soon. Uh, who is it? Melinda. 
I came to check on Mrs. Langley and see if you were both interested in attending the dance tonight. Oh, we wouldn't miss it, dear. You don't have much time. <laughs> Rose, why must you always underestimate me? You'd think after all these years you'd have a little bit more faith in me. You're right. I suppose you know what you're doing. Just be careful and no more mishaps. Not if I can help it. Now, Miss Gabby, let's help you out of that chair. Remember, it's not a race. I'm going to walk beside you for support. Oh, for heaven's sake, Eli! What? What did I do now? Aren't you forgetting something? Oh, yes, that, that's kind of important. Take my place and I'll grab it. No, I'll take care of it. What am I going to do with you? Overlook my faults and celebrate my achievements? Sure. As soon as I can think of any. Now hop to it. Yes, ma'am. Good. I'll meet you there. Looking forward to it. Eli. You can't just leave me holding the bag. Great. That's the last time I let you take initiative. Melinda, let's plan a special dance for the residents and their families. Never mind. No one will show. finally made it. Where is everyone? Don't tell me we missed the party. Forgive me, Gabby, it looks like I won't be able to give you that first dance after all. This is a joke, right? You did this, this kind of thing, before, with your other jobs. Sorry? The non-existent dance, the recorded track you put into that old radio, the tune you keep whistling. But you're forgetting the most important ingredient, the music box. Rose, you're in on this too? You're Eli's wife. We celebrate 50 years of marriage this month. That's impossible. You'd be in your 70s. Give or take a few decades. But as far as I'm concerned, we're still newlyweds. What's going on here? Come with me, Mrs. Langley. I'll take you back to your room. I'm afraid we can't let you do that. Let me guess. You didn't tell her. I was going to. The short version of it, my dear, is that Eli and I are doing the world a great service. And we need your help to do it. Yeah. 
Give her a vague explanation, Rose. That's great. I thought if I made it more pleasant. Come on, Mrs. Langley. We're getting out of here. For the one under my spell, my constant source of inspiration. May your memory and soul remain youthful. May your talents belong to the ages. You can't leave until you've taken this beautiful music box with you. Go on, Melinda. Let her have the box, and we'll be on our way. No, Mrs. Langley. It is a pretty box. It's meant for you, my dear Gabby. Take it. You'll find miracles will happen. No harm will come to you. I promise. Yes. The music was meant for me. And I am beautiful. I am alive again. No! What is this? What is happening? What is happening to me? What have you done to me? I'm sorry, Melinda, but it had to be done. Poor Gabby here was running out of time, and you had so much of it to give. Didn't you always say you would take care of your residents? Well, it's only fair that you give them all you can. I expect now Miss Gabrielle Langley may continue her glorious writing career. It was a shame to see her <laughs> level of talent go to waste. Now, we'll have none of that. You've done a very good deed and should be grateful for the time you still have. Come, I'll take you to your room. today, Mrs. Langley. No, I'm not! <laughs> She's had a little too much excitement for one day. Come, dear. I'll take you back to your room. You said there was a dawn. My goodness. So you're right. The party will start very soon. That's your Grandma Sherwood, isn't it? Sometimes, I guess. She's still processing it. I understand. That's okay. A little birdie told me that your grandmother, Carol, was once a famous painter. Oh, she has lots of paintings hanging in her room. I'd love to see them sometimes. You know, I bet you she has a special dedication on some of her paintings just for you. You think so? I do. And do you know what else? What? I predict she's going to get a very special package from an admirer. A present? Do I get to be there when she does? That's a promise. We can't stay, but thank you for being so compassionate. It's my pleasure. And now, my dear... How about that first dance? I thought you'd never ask. Reminisce With Me was written and directed especially for the 11th hour by Rachel Pulliam from Old Souls Audio and produced by M.J. Cogburn from Darker Projects. The Reminisce With Me theme was composed by Catherine Seaton from the Dayton Writers' Movement, with additional music by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com and Storyblocks. Featured in the cast were Colette Theon as Melinda, Kareem Cronfley from Firewall Theatre as Eli, Hannah Movis as the little girl, Delaney Brittingham as the sister, Erica Alsites as Rose, Margaret Ashley as Gabrielle, Thea Salone is the recorded error message, and Pete Lutz from Narada Radio Company as Emerson Campbell. 
Reminisce With Me is copyrighted by Rachel Pulliam in 2020 for the 11th hour and may not be distributed, altered, or shared without the express permission from the author. This is John Bell from Bells in the Battery wishing you all pleasant dreams. You are listening to the new audio drama, 66 Trips to Lansing, starring Andrew Papa, Ted Clayton, and Jeffrey Weinstock. The script was written by Will Anderson and engineered by Lucas Nunn. So sit back and enjoy 66 Trips to Lansing. Might as well get this over with. Have him come in. Have a seat. So... Let's talk about this. Is this a joke? A joke? Certainly not. Settle down. Let's take this piece by piece. You know it is. Why are we even... Uh, we've spent quite a while going through your application. Is there a problem with it? On the surface, no. Did I fill something out incorrectly? Given that you've held membership on this committee for the last three years... Don't forget those two years back in the aughts when I filled in for... Indeed. Given your time on this committee, it's obvious you've mastered the subtle nuances of the application form. But that's not the issue here. So what's the problem? Problem? Do you think we're stupid? Not at all. I figured everyone here has to be pretty smart in order to be here. The alternative is just discouraging. That's not the issue at hand. Let's go through this piece by piece. As I understand this, you are applying for a Type C Arts Grant with a maximum allowable amount of $3,500 to stage... This is where it starts getting confusing. Stupid, if you ask me. Who would possibly be interested in a Herbert Hoover musical? You know, I would have thought so myself, but then Hamilton and... Just stay with me. So it says here that you want to convert an audio drama you wrote about Herbert Hoover. A prize-winning audio drama I wrote about Herbert Hoover. Yes, yes, we all have the documentation you provided about that. It just begs the question, why? Well, I was walking my dog one day, and I said, you know, for my next sabbatical, I should write a musical. And my wife said, you can't write a musical. To which I said, sure, I can write a musical. What background do you have to write a musical? That's what I was saying. I haven't. So that's why I wrote this grant. Let's get back on track. So you're saying you want to secure funding for your sabbatical... Where's your sabbatical application? Oh, I'm at least five years out from my next one. I just had one last year. So why are you applying for this now? You know we can only consider research projects... And scholarly endeavors... And scholarly endeavors that occur within the fiscal year. Why now? So I can write a musical. No one's going to take my sabbatical application to write a musical seriously if I haven't already written one. Hence, the grant. Arguably a circuitous rationale, but the reason we've called you in is that we have some serious concerns as to the budget you supplied. I figured you might. It wasn't easy to figure out how to spend the maximum money. I'm used to working on the cheap. So why spend it? I'm sure that you're aware that in these tight financial times... Look, you and I both know Compass Point U here has been pouring money hand over fist to the STEM guys. And what does that get us? That guy in biomed who asked for 400 extra beyond the 1200 publication fee so he could be put on the journal cover and then use the publicity to jump schools? 
Or that math guy who requested 55 cents a mile for 66 trips to Lansing to do math on a whiteboard with some pal? Well, that was an exceptionally egregious example. And if you recall, we denied it. And he appealed it. So we had to call a special meeting to deny it again. And he's still miffed. I saw him slam his door into an Acura in the parking lot last week. That's where that came from. I'll... Settle down. There'll be time for you to settle up with Dr. Dording. So why should we entertain your application? Some of these elements look equally extravagant. Not if I'm going to write a first-class musical. Every part in here is critical to its success. Everything? What about the Woo Girl? Three dozen kazoos? Uh, we'll get to that. Let's start with the bigger expenses. This guitarist you want to bring in for $500. I'm a bit confused, as you say on page two that you're going to be playing guitar. Which is it? Oh, I am. I even brought it with me today to explain the nuances of the project. But, yeah, that's for my buddy Ian. I told you. Nepotism. He admits it. No more than you collaborating with someone you met at a conference. He's critical to this project. I mean, I'm pretty good at playing and all, but... You did see that part of my Vita about my Kroger work, right? Yes, we had some questions about that as well. Did you do some contract work for them? No, no, no. You see, back in the summer of 05, I'd gone to the Kroger and realized they jacked up the price of home-style chicken noodle soup from 109 to 139 a can. So I went and got my guitar and started playing Dylan protest music outside the store. After they asked me to leave, I was telling my friend Jeff about it, and he said, You want to come play on my show on the station? So I went in and tore that store a new one. Jerks. But then I felt bad. I mean, it wasn't Don's... He's the manager at Kroger. It wasn't his fault. But Jeff got, I think, six calls asking for more. So I started writing a trilogy of Kroger songs. But then about song number five, I had a big hit. And people started singing 10 for 10 at Kroger all summer long. Well, at least there were people coming up and singing it to me. It's a small town. Uh, back to your friend, please. Sure. So, I mean, I can play and all, but I'll have so much stuff to do that I want to have somebody who can pick up whatever I've been laying down. But $500? Isn't that a bit excessive? Not really. He studied under Robert Fripp for a while. Now, mind you, I personally feel that the whole King Crimson stuff is a bunch of noise, but you gotta admit they're disciplined at what they do. Anyhow, add mileage from Chicago, it's less than 100 for the two performances. That's actually another thing. I noticed you made no mention of rehearsals, nor actors. That's right, there's not going to be any. So, uh, how can you... I thought I made it clear that this whole thing was going to be improv. So, it's a performance art piece. I don't think so. There won't be any mimes. What? Mimes. You can't have performance art without mimes. I don't think the presence of mimes dictates the classification. Well, I suppose if I take out the glitter balloons in the finale, I could afford a mime or two. I'm not really certain what they do, though. But if I got rid of the cleanup cost from the glitter, that stuff is really hard to get out of carpets. Wait a minute. I bet if I had one mime with a vacuum cleaner... Please, stay on the subject. I don't want to spend all day on this. Anyhow, this is why I've picked the musicians I've picked. Ian and those two punk rock twins who have that cable access show. By the way, which of their songs did you like best? I'm a fan of Ally Urchin myself. Somehow listening to a CD of 32 songs about cats more than once just didn't seem to be a worthwhile use of my time. It's not easy to distill cogent thoughts about anything into two minutes or less. But cats? I don't know. Carl Sandburg seemed to do okay with them. Now you're comparing two punk rock 
guys from Saginaw, Michigan to Carl Sandburg. Sure. My governess's sister was his assistant. She told her that he was always busting out the guitar and singing little ditties around the office. How did we get on Carl Sandburg? I don't know. Back to your play or musical or whatever it is. Sure. My Hoover audio drama has nine scenes, each one prime for a musical movement. So who's going to act this out? It's not going to be like that. Let me set the scene. The room is dark. Over the PA, I'm playing a recording of my Hoover disc. Imagine some dramatic music. Hail Columbia. Our land of freedom and opportunity. Futures lying uncast. Each man born to shape and mold his own destiny. Here's where we'd cue the fog machine, which you'll see I documented in the budget as costing $123 with $87 for two-day rental and $36 for the non-carcinogenic fog fluid. I figured that the $5 upcharge would be okay with the committee. And then, segue into some more pensive music, we approach the threshold of a modest cabin on the Iowa prairie. Ma, Bert looks so sick. Why is he coughing so much? It's not fair. He's only two. And and then Hoover's mother says, Looks like the croup still has its hold of him. Poor Bert. If we give him a bottle of something warm, it might loosen up that cough. Now imagine there's a whistle of a kettle of boiling water. The lights go up, and I come blasting out with a huge Pete Townsend cord. Hang on, hang on. Hang on, just let me... I really don't think that this is... about... There we go. And I, dressed in my professor finery... Professor finery? Yeah, my mom's always on me about dressing up when I teach, so I'm going to play this as a totally boring professor. I walk forward and... When Herbert Hoover was born, there weren't no internet! You wouldn't think I'd have to say that, but you know, kids these days. Anyhow, then I'd set a groove for Ian and the Punk Twins to lock into while I figure out what to say next. What? I'd just kind of see where the spirit moves me. You're going to be ad-libbing this. That's what makes it exciting. Can you imagine how tired Bob Seger must be of having to sing old-time rock and roll show after show? Or orchestra folks having to play the same thing at the same time again and again and again? That's why I've handpicked these guys. I trust that they can keep the music going while I figure out what comes next. Classical musicians are trained to produce art. Sure, or maybe they're just cooks reading recipes for a cover band. I want to make something new, something that hasn't been made. That's why the first time we play together is going to be on stage. But without rehearsals, how will you know what it's going to come out as? Your proposal makes a mockery of pretty much everything. How so? If I start out knowing how something is going to turn out, is it really art or is it predictive pandering for the masses? Okay, I've written down no rehearsals. Let's move on. What about this $200 for a woo girl? Oh yeah, she's my favorite part of this. Well, I mean, I like everything in it, but... Why? Is she a friend of yours? Well, yeah, she was a former student of mine whom I keep in touch with, but moreover... She's a professional vocalist. Just last week, she sang the national anthem at the Mid-City Classic. And, as you can see in the attached document from my current associate dean, 
who is a professional orchestra musician, he verifies that $100 of performance is a fair and acceptable rate for a professional of her caliber. That might be all well and good, but what exactly do you foresee for the role of your woo girl? Like I was saying, that's one of my favorite parts. In scene two of my play, Hoover, now a nine-year-old orphan, heads west on a train bound for Oregon to stay with an uncle. My plan is to set out a train kind of chugging rhythm. You know that train rhythm, it's like. And then I'll say something like. Herbert's on a train going west. Little boy ain't got no parents, he's riding alone. Get the whole band going, and then I point to her, and she lets loose with a woo! What? Yeah, yeah, I point to her, and she goes woo! Let me get this clear, she sings woo. That's it? Well, yeah, but not just woo. She keeps it going for a long time, like, <sighs> You see, I've been listening to a lot of Hendrix Machine Gun, and I just love that part. Woo! Totally makes the song. I think that's what's missing in songs about trains these days. So, to summarize... You're coming to ask for $3,500 to put on a musical. I like to think of it more as a rock musical, but no matter. All right, a rock musical about Herbert Hoover, in which you have no plans to rehearse with your band or prepare what you're going to say. That's right. I mentioned I was going to wear a suit, right? Indeed you did. How about the kazoos? We saw that. $2,295 for three dozen plastic kazoos. I assume they're critical to the piece as well? Oh, yeah. That's for the audience interaction part when Herbert and his wife, Lou, go birding. I'm going to go all Oprah and have everyone reach under their chairs and then twook on their kazoos. I figure it'll be a good palate cleanser after taking them through the hardships of the Boxer Rebellion. Well, if anything, the audience will learn a lot about Herbert Hoover. That's the hope. And perhaps a little bit more about themselves in the process. <sighs> all right. Thanks for the additional information, and we'll let you know. Awesome. Let me just get my stuff gathered up here. Okay, see you around. So, what are we going to do? What can we do? He filled out the form correctly. You have been listening to 66 Trips to Lansing. The committee chair was played by Ted Clayton. Jeffrey Weinstock played the vice chair. The applicant was played by Andrew Papa. 66 Trips to Lansing was written by Will Anderson and edited by Lucas Nunn. This project was made possible thanks to a grant provided by Central Michigan University's College of the Arts and Media. Learn more about the many great things available at Central Michigan University's College of the Arts and Media at www.cmich.edu slash colleges slash C-A-M. That's www.cmich.edu slash colleges slash C-A-M. I'm Jeffrey Weinstock. From all of us at 66 Trips to Lansing, thank you for listening. And that's this week's show. Please check our show notes for links to both shows this week at sonicsociety.org. 
Please find us at the Sonic Society Facebook group or on our Twitters. I'm at David Alt. Or you can send us a note at Audiodrama Radiodrama Lovers on Facebook or email us at sonicsociety at gmail.com. Until next week, for Jack Ward and myself, I'm David Alt. Thank you and have a lovely day. Sonic Society is written and produced weekly by Jack J. Ward and David Alt, with original music by Sharon B. at SharonB.com. All features, interviews, and audio drama shorts are owned completely by their originators and provided to the Sonic Society by Creative Commons Licensing. The Society itself originates from Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. Thanks for listening. This has been an Electric Vicuna production. And now, Arnie Clunchpard from Bells in the Batfree recites Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven. Edgar Allan Poe, The Raven, Groovy. Once upon a midnight jury, while I pondered, weak and weary, over me the quaint and curious volume of forgotten lore. While I nodded, nearly napping, suddenly there came a tapping, as if some gentle rapping, rapping at my chamber door. Take some visitor, I muttered, chuffing at my chamber door, it's only this, only this and nothing more. Distinctly, I remember it was in the bleak December and each separate dying ember rotted scouts upon the floor. Eagerly, I wished to morrow, vainly, I had sought to borrow from my books a cease of sorrow, sorrow for the lost Lenore, for the rare and radiant maiden who the angels named Lenore. Nameless here forevermore. Yeah! Open here I flung the shutter when with many a flirt and flutter in their step the stately raven of the saintly days of yore. Not the least of these made he, not a menace stopped or stayed he, but with me of Lloyd or lady post upon my chamber door. Perched upon the bust of palace just above my chamber door. Perched the shot, and nothing more. Then the seventy bird beguiling my sad fancy into smiling by the grave and stirred the decorum of the countenance it wore. To the quick be short and shaven, thou I said, sir, art no craven. Ghastly grim and ancient raven wandering from the night before. Tell me what thy lordly name is on the night's plutonian shore. Quote the raven. Nevermore! It's the strangest story you've ever heard. Just one word from this wacky bird. Quote the raven. Nevermore! One more time, it's a bird that makes you go eek when he utters that word from his yellow beak. Quote the raven. Nevermore!
classical and brand new audio dramas through the Mutual Audio Network. Subscribe through Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or iHeartRadio today. There's eight different podcasts, one for each day of the week and genre. And the Mutual Audio Network broadcast feed so you don't miss a day of your favorite shows. Subscribe to Mutual Audio tonight. Good night.